Welcome to the Crossover Church Podcast. Although we are in Tampa, Florida, our platform is global and our impact is international. Our mission as a church is to empower people to discover, develop, and display Jesus Christ in every area of their lives. Join us here each week for inspiring messages, thought-provoking conversations, and so much more. Help us spread the word. Share this podcast on your social media platforms. Now let's tune in to today's message. When I was uh, 11 years old, I had some friends of ours come over to the house and some family, this family that was from out of town. And I always loved when they came over because they had two sons and one of them was my age and the other was about two years older. And so we used to love to get together and hang out and we'd play basketball, we'd go ride bikes, we'd build forts, we'd do all the stuff that boys do, right? But after this one visit, when they came from out of town and visited, I found out something that happened and I was mad. See, the older son, he had, did something super inappropriate to my little seven-year-old sister. And you know, brothers and sisters, a lot of times we're like this, you know, but hold on, if you do something to my sister, like, uh uh-oh. And when I found out what he did, I was just so mad, so upset, so disgusted. So he had started to expose himself. And thank God, right when it was beginning to happen, uh, one of the adults was coming up the stairs and caught him in the middle of doing it. I don't know if my sister really even fully understood what was going on, but they were able to kind of stop it. But, But man, let me tell you something, I was mad. I was disgusted. I'm like, how could he? He's my friend. We, we trust him. He was in our house. Like, man, like, and it, so I'm having all these visions. Man, I just want to punch him in the face. I had these visions. I wanted to throw him down the steps. I wanted to just kick him and stomp on him and just, you know, I wanted to teach him a lesson. I wanted justice. This is my little sister. I'm supposed to protect her. And how could he? And so I'm, I'm like talking to my parents about it. And I'm like, we got to get him. We got to go to their house. We should call the police. We should, you know, I'm like, and they're like, calm down. Just calm down, just, just relax, just chill. I, I wanted revenge. There's this story in the Bible, Genesis chapter 34, about some brothers and their sister was actually raped. And so I encourage you guys this week, encourage you to go home and read it word for word and read about what happened. I'm gonna kind of paraphrase it for you just for a few moments at the beginning of this message. But Genesis chapter 34, there was this girl named Dinah and, and she was going to this place and somehow she was by herself at this moment and this guy attacked her and raped her. This guy's name was Shechem. Now Shechem ended up like falling in love with her after he attacked her and raped her. And so he went back to his father and he said, dad, he said, there's this girl that I met and and I want to marry her. Can you help fix this for me? And he was actually a prince. So I think he kind of got whatever he wanted. Like he was a spoiled brat. (laughs) So his dad said, all right, well, you know, let's go and talk to her father. So Shechem's dad, his name was Hamon, and and they went and talked to Dinah's father, who was Jacob. Maybe you've heard of Jacob from the Bible before. And so they got together, and the father was like, hey, listen, man, hey, bro, my daughter, you know, my son, he really likes your daughter and would like to to marry her. And it was like, this the dude that raped her? Well, well, you know, I mean, you know, just, you know, we want to make it right and this is going to get married and it'll be great. And, and listen, you know, this will be good for all of us. They were new in the area. So you guys can buy some land and we'll trade together 
Financially, this will be a good arrangement, and we can give you some of our other sons to marry your daughters, and we'll give you some of our daughters to to marry some of your sons, and, and we'll just be one big happy family. And so then Shechem came up. And, and by this time now, Jacob's there, and, and all the brothers are there. Y'all know they had big families back then, too. So all the brothers are there, and they like, <laughs> you know, they're like ready to get them. And so Shechem comes, and the guys, listen, you know, whatever I can do to make this right, whatever the cost is, I'll pay it. Whatever you demand, I'll pay it. So the brothers said, all right, hold on. They kind of huddled up. They're having a meeting back there. Then they, 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 get, they came up with an idea, an idea for revenge. And they come back and say, all right, well, listen, Shechem, here's the deal. Listen, our sister could never, ever, 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 ever marry somebody like you because you know what? You're not circumcised. And we're a Jewish family. That's part of our tradition. That's part of our religion. See, that's our thing with God. And so, you know, so we could never do that unless... You agree to get circumcised, your whole family, and all the men in your whole town. Then we could talk. But if not, we out. We taking our sister. We out. Let's go. Oh, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. So Shechem pulls his dad aside. They're talking. They go to the town leaders and try to convince them, you know, hey, this will be a good thing. All of us will be like one big happy family. This will economically and financially be good for us. And so... They went ahead and agreed to do it, that every man in that family in that town got circumcised. If you don't know what circumcision is, you can go look it up. <laughs> Not going to get into the details, but it's painful. There's a healing process that happens for a while. I'm sure it was much worse back then than it is today with all the technological advances. But so three days later, when the men were still hurting, the Bible says this, that two of the sons named Levi and Simon, they took it upon themselves to go into the town with swords and they slaughtered every single male, killed them, went through the whole town, killed every single man. The men couldn't really fight back because they, they weren't ready for it and they were in pain. It was a surprise attack. They just killed every single man. Then the other brothers came and then the Bible says that they looted everything. So they stole gold and items and all kinds of stuff. And then on top of that, they took all the women and the children and they just destroyed the whole town. They took them as their own. And so their father, Jacob, didn't know anything about this. And the Bible says that when he found out about it, he was basically, he was, man, he was disappointed. He was, he was shocked. He was like, man, how can my sons slaughter and massacre a whole town. Like, I, I didn't raise them to do this. I can't believe this has happened. The Bible says the words that he uses, you have brought trouble upon me. That's what he said to his sons. So if you fast forward a little bit to later in Genesis when Jacob was about to die, Genesis chapter 49, he kind of tells all these different things about his sons and different people in his family and some of them he's blessing them and he's talking about things about them. But he gets to these verses and he talks about those two sons that did all the murdering, Levi and Simon. And he said, you guys, he basically said, you, you guys are gonna be cursed. You're gonna be scattered among the land. He was putting blessings on some of his other family, but those two sons in particular, because of their wrath, because of their sin, because they repaid evil with even more evil. Wow. So I didn't end up seeing that kid 
that did that to my sister for a couple of years. Thank God. <laughs> they didn't come around for a while, but it gave me time to forgive him, to pray for him, to process it. And when I did see him again, it was awkward. We kept him away from my sister and we really kept our eye on him, but he was a troubled kid. And, and God helped me to forgive him and walk through that. I know there's a lot of us in here, we've been done wrong or someone that we love has been done wrong. And we all got all kinds of revenge stories, I'm sure, here in this crowd. But you know what? I know that there's all, also some revenge stories. They're open still right now. They're open-ended. And I believe they could have a different ending if we take God's plan. So let's pray today. Father, we come before you this morning. God, we thank you that you're a God of grace and mercy. You're a God of justice. And so, Father, as we look at what is your prescription for revenge, how do we handle that? Praise, we look at your word today, and we look at our hearts and our emotions and our feelings and, and our hurt, that, God, you'll help bring healing and hope and peace and trust, knowing that you have the best for us and that you're going to take care of us and you'll handle things. So, God, speak to all of us today. Pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, I'm glad you guys are here today. This is actually our final week of our series, Hashtag Me Too. How many of you guys have been enjoying the series, y'all? Make some noise. Been enjoying it. It's been an awesome series, and glad you guys are here today. Uh, what's up to all the people that are worshiping with us online? And this whole month, we've been talking about how do we find hope and healing when there's been hurt and when there's been abuse. And there's a lot of people that have a Me Too story because every 98 seconds in America, somebody gets sexually abused. So even since we've just been here in service, there's been a whole bunch of people that have been sexually abused, women and men. Then on top of that, there's people that get abused, not just sexually, but uh, emotionally and verbally and physically. And so there's so much baggage and layers that so many people have. And many times the church doesn't talk about that. We just say, well, Jesus will just help you just get over it, just move on. We gotta talk about it. We gotta have a conversation. There's so much stuff in the scripture. There's tools that help us to heal. And so we've talked about all these different ways of hurt. And last week in particular, we talked about people that get hurt by other believers, by other Christians, by spiritual leaders, by pastors, by churches. And Pastor Christopher preached an incredible message on church hurt. Got a powerful interview up here. And, and, and you know, a lot of churches don't talk about that. Just brush it under the rug, but I know that many of you have had church hurt, and so you've walked into crossover, and you have these boundaries up and these walls, and you're wondering when somebody's going to let you down, or when somebody's going to start doing or saying what happened in the past, and we want to help you unpack that and let it go and give it to God and become whole and become spiritually healthy, and so I want to say this. If you guys missed any other messages, um, go watch them. Go watch them on our YouTube channel. It's Crossover 813. Go to YouTube and just search that, and you'll see all these messages. Maybe you know someone that needs to hear one of these messages. They've gone through that in, in one of those particular messages that we're, we're addressing different things. Like, share it with somebody. So much good stuff to share. So when we get hurt, or when someone we know gets hurt, we have this human instinct that we're like, we want to get revenge. We want to get even. We want justice, right? But see, there's a right way for revenge and there's a wrong way. Genesis chapter 34 was what way? The wrong way. Yeah, so, so, so what about the right way, Pastor Tommy? Like, what, is, what does the Bible say about that? It has a lot to say about it. We could actually probably do a whole series on handling revenge, but 
We narrowed it down to one passage today that, that really sums it all up and is going to help give us the tools that, that we need to. And so if you guys have your smartphones, I want to invite you guys to pull them out, open them up, pull up the note tab. If you're worshiping online, you can download the Crossover app. Right, almost a thousand people have downloaded the Crossover app. That's awesome. Um, so if you're old school, that's cool. And you're here physically, we've got the notes. You pull out a, a pen and pull your notes out of your program. And uh, today we're going to look at Romans chapter 12. And we're going to look at five verses, starting in verse 17. And these verses, they give us a, a roadmap on how we should handle revenge. So let's start in verse 17. It says this. It says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are what? Honorable. I want to say this. You know what? I know there's a lot of people here at Crossover that are honorable. There's a lot of you that have integrity. A lot of you that are honest. I'm proud of you guys because I've seen a lot of you handle certain situations in an honorable way, in a loyal way, in a way where you've had integrity. Give it up for yourselves, man. We've got some awesome people here that are growing in their walk with Christ. They're mature, following the instructions of the scripture. It says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, when should we take revenge? Come on, somebody say never. Never. We never should do that. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Verse 20 says, instead, here's what we should do instead. Here's the prescription. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Wow. Sounds good, but it's tough, right? Wait a minute, that's some tough stuff. Well, what do we see out of this? There's three, three main points I really want us to pull out of this. Here's the first one. So write this down or type this in. Revenge is for God, not for us. It's for God. We think it's for us because that's what we see in the movies. That's what we see on TV. That's what we see play out in real life, in family drama, on Facebook, all that stuff. No, it's for God. It's not for us. The funny thing is verse 19 is actually quoting a verse from the Old Testament, from Deuteronomy, chapter 32, 35, where God says, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. So look at me, y'all. Leave room for God. Leave room for God. In his time, in his way, in his method, he will take care of it. But see, our problem is many times we have the revenge planned out for God, don't we? Don't we? And, and we on our knees and we praying and we like, Lord, Lord, if you could please just do this to Tasha tomorrow because, you know, because Johnny really hurt me and you should do this to Johnny on Tuesday. And then, you know, on Wednesday, you should do this to Josh. And, you know, Sometimes we try to plan out the revenge for God and we're running that through our heads and look at me, y'all, that's wrong. No, don't do that. God ain't listen to that. God's like, be quiet. I ain't listen to that prayer. I'm gonna handle this my, my way because I'm God and I'm perfect and I do it right. And don't tell God when to do it. And listen, when there's injustice here on this earth, when, when our court system fails us, when our leaders fail us, when our politicians fail us, listen, let me tell you guys, you better believe there will be justice. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. If you believe what the Bible says, make some noise. If you know, there's going to be justice. 
People are gonna have to stand before God someday and be accountable for what they did with their life and what they didn't do with their life. There will be justice, you better believe it. So I know it can be frustrating when it seems like people are getting away with stuff. I know it can be frustrating when we see 17 people that died at a school and it seems like the laws and the politicians aren't moving as quickly as we would like them to move, but, but, but we can find some comfort in knowing at the end of the day, there's gonna be justice. Every one of those people are gonna have to stand before God and be accountable for what they did with their life, just like you are, just like I am. So I know it's challenging, it's difficult, it's frustrating, but there will be justice, eternal justice. It's gonna happen. Now, the God of the Bible is good. He's loving, y'all know that? He loves us. He's the one that's giving you every beautiful thing that you have, your family, your kids, your spouse, your job, your talents, the healing that you got physically maybe, the healing that you got emotionally, those are gifts from God. He loves us, he cares about us. But however, if you reject God and you live a life where you hurt other people, God is not happy with you. God is angry with you. Because you know what, God hears every time there's an, an abused wife that's crying out. God hears the, the cries of an abused child. God sees people that are manipulating people with their power and their position and their prestige and their money. God sees that. He's not happy with that. He sees your addictions. He sees your lies. He sees your, your bad motives. He sees all those things. And someday you're going to have to stand before him and you're going to have to be accountable. You have to be accountable, y'all. Let me say this to, to, to wives or girlfriends that are here as we're talking about forgiveness here and all that stuff and, and forgiving someone and not taking revenge, if you're in an abusive relationship right now, that doesn't mean you stay in it. We're not advocating, just, just take it, just, you know, in Jesus' name, just smile and, you know, just maybe they'll come. No, look at me. If you are in an abusive relationship right now, Jesus is not calling you to be somebody's punching back. Get out. If you need help with that or finding refuge, come to one of the leaders here. We'll try to get you connected and help you. But get out. That's not God's plan for you to be in an abusive relationship. And sometimes people can think that when they're a Christian. Well, I'm just supposed to take this. That's not, that's not what this scripture is saying. That's not the right interpretation of it. That's not what God, that's not what God wants. Okay, get out. But here's the other thing, though. If, if you are getting abused, leave the revenge for God. Don't pick up a knife. Don't, don't pick up a gun. Don't call somebody you know that's gonna do something like that either. Like, leave the revenge for God. Because every time we try to take revenge, guess what happens? We make a mess, a hot mess. And it just it becomes this cycle. And this person does wrong. And it, that person does wrong even more. And, you know, his payback's better than ours. And then we're gonna get him even more. And, and it usually just ends up worse and worse, right? And here's the thing. I've, I've talked to a lot of people that have gotten revenge. They got payback. And they've told me, you know what? It wasn't like I thought it was gonna be. I didn't get that closure that I was looking for. I don't have that peace that I thought I would have after I got that person back. And some people say, you know, I even feel worse now because now I'm just like them. Yeah. So leave the revenge for God. I've had an opportunity over the years to do a, a lot of ministry in prison, behind the bars. 
And I've gone to prisons all over the country. I've even been to Rikers Island, one of the most notorious prisons in New York City. It's this island with like 10 or 11 prisons on. It's crazy. And so I've had an opportunity to talk to so many men and even women that have made mistakes. Many times it's because of revenge. And they got into a beef with someone over a girl or some drugs or some money. And now they're behind bars for years. Some of them decades I even had the opportunity one time to go minister on death row. We weren't allowed to go into the cells. We were able to talk to people through the windows and pray for them. And many of those people, many of those men, it's because they wanted revenge so bad and they got it and now they're stuck in the place they're at. You know what so many of them told me? Man, I just want to tell young men and young women not to fall into the trap that I did. Not to make the mistakes that I did because it's horrible in here. This is no way to live. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Crossover family, it's not worth it. Revenge is not worth it. What that can do to you and what that can do to your future and your life and your calling and all those things, it's not worth it. Leave it to God. He's perfect. He's perfect in his judgments, far better than I am, far better than you are. So revenge is not for us. It's it's for God. Here's another huge point we see in this passage. There's, There's a better way of getting even besides revenge. It's a better way of getting even besides revenge. Well, what's that? Look at verse 20. What does Paul says? He says, instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. You ever done that before? I have. It's kind of fun. There's a little bit of satisfaction in it when, you know, you're just loving on that person and they don't expect it and they don't know what to do with it. They're like, uh... Thought you were gonna, no. <laughs> but wait, Pastor Tommy, that sounds like the opposite of revenge. Well, technically it is, but did you notice that these verses are also in quotes? They're quotes from the Old Testament. They're actually from Proverbs, actually chapter 25, verse 21 and 22. It kind of has a little bit of a poetic flow to it because that's what Proverbs has a lot of kind of that poetry vibe to it, right? But but here's the cool thing is that Jesus, he actually lived this out. And he also preached about it in his stories, his parables. You think about that story, we preached on this last year sometime, Pastor Christopher, was the, the, what, the what Samaritan, y'all help me out. The good Samaritan, right? So it was this story that Jesus told when he was like, well, who's my neighbor? And so Jesus told this story and said, well, there was this, this man on the side of the road, this Jewish man that was hurt and was beat up and these three men came walking by. Kind of sounded like it was going to be a beginning of a joke. There was a priest, there was another guy, and there was a Samaritan, right? And they came walking by. So the priest walks by, sees him, is like, oh, well, keeps going. Then the religious leader, the Levite from the temple, he walks by, sees him, actually goes over to him. Oh, can't help him. I got to go. I'm late. But then the last person that comes is not a... They weren't called good Samaritans to the Jewish people. They were despised Samaritans because the Jews and the Samaritans had beef, ethnic beef, racial beef, religious beef. They did not like each other. They both thought they were better than each other. They were ethnically different. The Samaritans were mixed breeds. They weren't full Jewish. So here comes the Samaritan and this Jewish guy is beat up on the side of the road. That's his enemy. That's his enemy. I mean, he could easily walk by and be like, sorry, brother. And just ignore. 
He can walk by and just laugh, like, ha, that's what you get, sucker, ha, ha, yeah, ah, yup. But no, what did he do? He walked by and he looked at him as a human being, as a brother, as a neighbor, and he did exactly what these verses talk about in Romans. And he said, hey, I'm gonna take this guy, I'm gonna put him on my donkey, I'm gonna bandage him up, I'm gonna take him to a hotel, I'm gonna clean him up, I'm gonna feed him, I'm gonna give him a place to stay, I'm gonna give the, the owner of the hotel, hey, here's some money, take care, take care of my friend over here, my neighbor, and, if, and if, it, if, if he owes any more later, I'm gonna get you next time I come around. Wow. Here's Jesus talking about this for people to live this out. First week of the series, we had a well right here and we preached from John chapter four, and there was this woman at the well. What kind of woman was, was she helped me out? A Samaritan woman. First of all, Jesus shouldn't have maybe culturally been talking to a woman, but, and then on top of that, she was a Samaritan woman, but Jesus ministered to her. That, that, she was kind of an enemy, but Jesus ministered to her and didn't give her water, but gave her, what kind of water? Living water, that's right. So who was Paul talking about when he said enemies? It's not North Koreans. It's not ISIS. It's not some faraway enemy that you're going to see on the news or the internet. You're never going to really meet them. They're not probably going to affect you personally, maybe. No, write, write this down, y'all. Who's your enemies? It's people that are up close and have hurt us in some way or another. To people you know. You know their name. You know where they work. You know their mama. You grew up with them, maybe. You know their Facebook page. <laughs> All that stuff. You could get them if you want to. Oh, yeah. But you know what? There's been many times when there's been people that have said all kinds of junk about me and the church here. And when I see them again, you know what I do? I don't ignore them. I don't walk past them, even though I could consider they're an enemy and they've hated on me and did all this stuff. I'll show them love. And you know what they do? They don't know what to do with it. <laughs> because they thought I was gonna ignore them or go off on them or treat them differently. And when I show them love, even though they didn't show me love, then many times they don't know what to do with it. And you know what happens a lot of times? They apologize and God begins to work on them and humble them and they realize they were the person that's in the wrong. Not always, but I've watched that happen many times before. It's like literally heaping burning coals of shame on their head. Now, now listen, if somebody's regularly abused you or manipulated you or done things wrong to you, we're not saying that you have to go take them out to dinner. We're not saying you have to go hang out with them. No, no, no. You need to forgive them. And maybe the way that you love on them is from a distance. Maybe the way of loving them is, is by simply not putting them on blast. Because for some of us, if there's been a very abusive situation, there needs to be some new boundaries that are put up. You don't put that person back in your life in the same place and give them the same kind of access that they had before. That's not what this verse is saying. That's not what this is about. But it's finding a way that you can still show love, even if that's in the way of like, I didn't put you on blast. I could have on Facebook, like everybody else would have, and you expected it. And maybe you put me on blast, but my retaliation is not to do that. And that's that burning coals of love that you're pouring on their head. Some of you have gone through a divorce and you've gone through custody battles with your kids and there's been nastiness that's happened. But if you have one of those people on one side that's a mature believer in Jesus and starts to act differently in the whole scenario, it can change the whole tone. 
It can change the whole thing. I've watched it happen multiple times where you have someone that begins to follow these verses and this prescription for revenge, letting God handle it and just showing that person some grace. And then the other person begins to change and God begins to work on them. May not happen in your timing. Maybe like, man, I've been, I've been nice to them for two months now. And they still like, it might take two years. Some people are slow, you know. Hey, here's the third one, guys. This is really important. Revenge destroys you. Yeah, it destroys you. Not just the person you're, you're getting revenge with, but it affects you as well. But watch this, the second part. But good conquers evil. And Paul ends, ends this chapter with giving this advice, and he says this. He says, don't let evil conquer you. Pastor Tommy, that's hard because this person did me wrong, or this person, this person hurt this person that I really love. It was my sister, or it was my brother, or it was my mom, and they did this, and man, my stepdad was an could. I just want to, oh, I want to repay evil with evil. I want to repay even more evil with evil. You want to act like the brothers in Genesis chapter 34. I understand that's a normal human emotion, but, but how, so how do we do this, Paul? Like, how do we do this last line? says this, but conquer evil by doing good. There's a prescription right there. Simple, but hard, right? Conquer evil by doing good. Now, we could be at church and say, yeah, amen, I got that. Well, get it, get it Tuesday when somebody does some evil to you. Get it this Friday. Get it when that person comments something stupid on your wall, on your social media. I hope you'll get it then and remember this moment on this Sunday when you were at church and God was saying, hey, Romans chapter 12, verse 21, but conquer evil by doing good. That's how we do it. We love other people. We love our city. There's a lot of evil that's going on in our community, in this city, right here in this neighborhood. It's crazy. I don't know if you've opened your eyes lately, but you know, just yesterday I, I was hanging out and uh, I went to go get some sunglasses over at the flea market. I haven't been to the flea market in a minute. You go to that flea market, man, it's an experience. <laughs> Got all kinds of characters. Pastor Christian, I'm taking you to the flea market, man. We're going to, we're going to hang out. You got some food spots over there too. <laughs> so I'm coming out of the flea market and I'm on Nebraska right there at the light, right? And so the car in front of me, Suddenly the door flies open. It's a red light. The door flies open and this lady gets out with this tight dress on, this wig and these high heels. And suddenly like she's taking her heels off and she's all, she throws the heels in the car, slams the door. And then she starts running barefoot across Nebraska Avenue. Cars coming. She's weaving in. They beeping at her. She runs over to the convenience store and she rolls up. I'm like, I'm like, what is she doing? So everybody's watching now. Like what is going on here? Like reality TV, right? I thought maybe, you know, the, it's a long light. I thought maybe she's going to run and get a drink. Maybe she's thirsty. <laughs> First week of the series was people are thirsty, right? You know? Or, you know, maybe she's going to get a pack of cigarettes real quick and she thinks she can get back to the car in time. But no, she's running over there and she runs over and there's this lady sitting there and she just clocks her in the head and the lady falls on the sidewalk and then she's over her yelling at her. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like what is going on? And so you can laugh, and I mean, it was probably, it looked like it was a fight between two prostitutes, for real. But you know what, it probably was, but you know what, it, you know what that, that, that's layers and layers of abuse. 
in years of abuse, in years of issues and drama. She was obviously getting revenge on her for something, right? And what is that going to do? It's going to create a cycle of just more and more evil that happens, retribution and violence, and this person's going to get this person, and my pimp's going to get your pimp, and we're going to just, you know, it's going to be a brawl. Like, it's crazy. There's a lot of evil that's going on in this neighborhood, and that's exactly why we need to love our city even more. That's exactly why instead of 70 projects, we're doing 100 this year. Instead of 600 people that week, we're going to have 1,000 people go out this, this week, and it's, it's one month away. It's one month from tomorrow. The 26th of March, we're starting Love Our City Week. And if you don't know what it is, it's a week where we're doing 100 community service projects in this neighborhood that needs Jesus. All kinds of people, like the lady, you know, throwing the heels off. And, you know, the college student at USF. And the businessman that is getting coffee at Starbucks. And the person that doesn't have money for their laundry at the laundromat. And the person at the gas station. And the person at the bus station. And the person that we're knocking on their door, giving them free groceries. And all the amazing things that we're going to do to give a touch point. And people are shocked when you do that. Because they're like, what is this for? Why are you doing this for me? What's the catch? There's no catch. We're just here to show you some love. It's Love Our City Week, and and Jesus showed us love, and we just want to show you love. And God is going to show up and do amazing things just like he did last year. Make some noise if you know that. Be praying for that. Be praying for that, y'all. So Love Our City Week, y'all, if you want to sign up for a project, you already can do it. Loveourcity.info is the website. We already got like 60-some projects. We're going to add like another 30 or so in the next couple of weeks. So if you want to get the exact project you want, because they will fill up, and then we start taking them off, go to loveourcity.info. So let me close up and say this, guys. Trying to get even, it doesn't work. You unleash this cycle of retribution and violence. It doesn't work because somebody always wants to get the last word in, right? Paul gives us practical advice here. Because even if you get in the last word or the last hit or the last punch, guess what? You hurt yourself in the process of hurting the other person. You hurt yourself spiritually. Yeah. And see, when you do that and you hold this stress in and this anger and this bitterness and this rage and your soul gets sick, medically and scientifically it's proven if your soul is sick, it can make your body sick. So you've got a bunch of people that have all these physical issues, and it's not all physical issues, but a lot of people that have revenge issues and hurt issues and all this kind of stuff, they hold all this in and their soul is sick and their body gets physically sick. They got tension headaches, they got high blood pressure, they got back pains, they got stomach issues, they got nightmares at night, they can't sleep right. Man, that could be healed in Jesus' name if your soul will get healthy. There's some people I believe that are going to be healed today, not just emotionally, but physically, because the emotional and the physical is attached together, y'all. It's attached together. Learn to let it go, and good will conquer evil. There's so many amazing stories here in our church of people that have had so much evil done to them, and they've conquered it by doing good. So many stories, and being that our, our church, you just come in here one time, you might be a VIP guest today, and you can already tell, man, we love our city. That's why you look around this room and you see black, white, brown, young, old, middle-aged, rich, poor, middle-class, everything in between because we love everybody here. We really do. And so people that come here, they catch that vision because that's God's vision. It's Jesus' vision, right? 
go and make disciples of all nations, right? They catch that vision, and then God begins to give them some visions as well. And so here's a lady that has a Me Too story. I want to end with this today. She has a Me Too story that was difficult and was hard, but God's given her some new visions to love our community. Check this out. So let me just start with a little context and let you know that um, my family of origin was very dysfunctional. I grew up um, with a father who physically and sexually abused me. Um, and then there was a lot of confusion for me in that because my mom um, was a very devout Catholic woman who always took her children to church. So therefore, um, I grew up living in confusion and just not sure um, uh, what was going on really. Um, I would, um, because of my confusion, I lived in, I always constantly made bad choices. So um, one of the things that happened to me was um, my third time in jail, I um, became acquainted with a lady who I believe was just being a servant of God and she came out to the prison and she um, was there to offer um, the inmates um, some uh, Jesus time. And so I said, okay, let me, um, let me go and talk to this lady. And sure enough, that was the um, door that the Lord used to bring me to a crossroads in my life. And by that I mean, um, I was now, um, after being anointed um, with oil and having the 23rd Psalm prayed over me, um, I became aware of, more than ever that um, God was calling me to make a decision. And um, from the stories that I remember hearing um, as a child, um, one, of those, one of those stories being that um, never repay evil with evil. And so um, that crossroads for me was, um, do I continue being bitter or do I decide to trust God and let Him exact revenge on those people that had done wrong to me. So do I, do I decide to continue in my uh, dysfunction or do I decide to live a life of forgiveness and trusting God? And um, as you can tell um, from my life today, I made that choice and I have decided, of course, to um, Take the road of um, uh, with God and let Him um, let Him be the one that I keep my eyes on, that I focus on, that I um, live for. And so, um, with that, God has um, with that obedience of mine and, and and my trust in Him, He has um, found favor with those choices and has decided to. Um, bless myself and my husband with the opportunity to um, invest in other women and we are doing that through um, a home that we have purchased over a year and a half ago and we are turning that home into a home for women coming out of the sex trafficking industry so myself and two other ladies Loriana and Lucy have been um, putting this home together for over a year and a half and we are hoping that in June of this year uh, that home will be ready to uh, bring the women in and to um, start 
helping them transform their lives and to um, give back. Welcome, welcome to hey, Chosen Treasures. Come on in, welcome to our home. Yes. yes. Beautiful. We're so yes. excited. And we walk in, this is our living space. into a garden and that garden is going to be something that we even hope to use further down the line as a co-op for the um, community so um, big plans that we have for the ladies yeah isn't that beautiful it's awesome just a couple blocks away from here. It's right here uh, in the neighborhood. And I believe there's going to be many other people that are part of Crossover. God's going to give you visions to love this community, love this city as well. I'm so super proud of them. You're going to hear more about Chosen Treasures and those ladies that start to live there, they're going to be coming to Crossover and to Chosen and getting discipled by the women here in the church. Uh, seriously, it's, it's for ladies like I saw yesterday, the lady with the heels. <laughs> like, that home is for people like that. And God's going to transform this community. And he's going to use us to do it. Amen? Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Crossover Church in Tampa, Florida. On behalf of Pastor Tommy Colonan and the entire team, we thank you for being a part of this experience. We'd love to connect with you. So check us out online at www.crossoverchurch.org or on any of our social media platforms. Our weekly services are broadcast live and you can always catch a previous service on demand on our YouTube channel. Thank you again and we'll see you next week.